Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Um, for those of you who are new or visitors or guests, welcome. My name is Penny, and I'm the pastor that was uh, Doug. He's one of our ruling elders. And uh, if you're a guest or a visitor, welcome. We're, we're glad that you're here. College students, welcome home. Uh, I'm sure that this is a nice reprieve from a semester of studies, and I hope that this uh, season uh, you find some rest and uh, some peace and some calm. But uh, welcome back. We're glad that you're here. Well, friends, if you have a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, during the season of Advent, we've been going through the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, and we've been doing so because it is just in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew that we find the birth narrative of Jesus outlined for us. And so since it's the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, I thought it would be a good idea for us to take some time and look at these uh, stories of how Jesus was uh, birthed by Mary into this world. And the Gospel of Luke is unique, uh, not just in the sense that it is one of the two Gospels that give this narrative account of Jesus' birth, but it's also unique in the fact that there are these four Advent hymns, or uh, the first of the Christmas songs, if you will, that, that show up in Luke that don't show up anywhere else. And that's really what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. We looked at Mary's Magnificat and Zechariah's Benedictus last week, and this morning we look at the angel's Gloria. They come and they sing the, the Gloria, glory to God on high, glory. What they come and sing is not just praise to God, but they come and sing about the peace that has entered this world. Peace. Sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty nice. I, I imagine if you're a college student in your home, peace sounds really, really good right now. <laughs> Right? The peace from exams, the, the peace from the chaos of, of the semester. Imagine that many of us, we look forward to, to maybe a week off or a couple days next week of peace, of calm. We long for it. We need it. We desire it. And the angels sing of it this morning. And so let's read, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quiri, that guy, was governor of Syria. You see, it even happens to us, right? Like, y'all stumble over those words, too. All right. So he was over Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened with which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. David Young was a pastor in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He may still be a pastor, I'm not sure. He might still be in Murfreesboro, I don't know. But in 2009, it was the morning of Good Friday. And as many of you know, the Easter season is a busy one for the church. Perhaps it's only, uh, only Christmas is a busier time for the church. And so he was preparing for his Easter sermon just a few days later. He was filled with a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of concern, a little bit of worry. They were really hopeful that this particular service was going to attract a lot of people, that many people from the community would come, they would hear the gospel, that this would be an amazing, amazing service, a a pouring out of God's grace. And so he was a little nervous. He was a little worried as he prepared. And so he decided he needed some peace. He needed some calm. And so he put on his running shorts and his shirt and strapped on his shoes and decided to go for a four-mile run. Now, now I know for some of y'all, the idea of a run doesn't, uh, doesn't bring to mind the thought of peace and calm, but, but for David, that's, that's where he was going to find it. And so he went to the Greenway along the river that he liked to run beside in Murfreesboro. Four miles, two miles out, two miles back. So he set off. It was mid-60s kind of overcast, a a little bit of a thread of rain, but but really it was the ideal day for a run. It was perfect. So he set off two miles. He, He got to the midway point, and he makes his turn to come back to his car, to the parking lot, and he thought, it couldn't be better than this. This is exactly what I needed, peace and calm. This is wonderful, just him and his thoughts in this run. Well, as he was making the turn, he he started to hear a little bit of thunder, and the sky started to get a little bit dark. And he looked around, and he saw that there was no one on the greenway. It was just him. Now the threat of rain, but he wasn't worried. He he wasn't concerned. The rain might actually feel pretty good on him. So he kept going, kept pushing the peace that he was experiencing. Well, he got a little bit further along, and the rain started, and the thunder clapped, and the rain turned from just rain to hail, and he realized he wasn't going to make it back to his car. It's coming down. There's wind. It's blowing. And so he, he goes off into the woods. He peels off of the greenway. He goes into the woods to find some shelter. Now, I'm, I'm not a survival guy, so I have no idea if that's a good idea or not, but, but that's what he did. <laughs> so he goes off into the woods, and he finds a big tree, and he stands under it, hoping that the storm will just pass over. And he says, uh, after a few minutes of staying under that tree, that the storm did subside. It calmed. 
thought, man, I'm, I'm going to be able to finish my run. This is going to be awesome. So he goes to take a couple steps towards the greenway, and the big clap of thunder comes out of nowhere, something so loud he had never heard. And often in the distance, he heard the transformers on the power lines exploding. And the wind picked up, and the hail and the rain, it came back, and now he is afraid. He's full of fear. He is terrified. The peace that he had experienced, it is long gone. Now chaos. He sits at the bottom of the tree, and he wrapped his arms around it, and he wrapped his legs around it because the wind started to pick up. And there is lightning, and there is thunder, and there is crashing, and there is no more peace. There is only chaos. Chaos because in that moment, he was in the middle of an F4 tornado. An F4 tornado is a tornado that has winds of 210 to 260 miles per hour, and there he was at the base of a tree. All he wanted was a little bit of peace. All he wanted was some calm. And what he experienced was terror and chaos. Now, I imagine that for many of us, as we are thinking about this season, we have these romantic views of what a peaceful morning would look like. Right, a peaceful Christmas morning. Can't, can't you picture it? You're sitting in your favorite chair, a warm cup of coffee, the, the smell of breakfast wafting into the living room, the kids playing calmly and gently at your feet. I mean, can you imagine it? It, it sounds beautiful, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's, what, right? that's what our Christmases look like, said no one. <laughs> Right? But that's what we long for. We want that peace. We have these romantic views of what peace might look like, of what calm might look like. And it's not just with our kids on Christmas morning. We, we have those desires for our families, right? Because this season is when we come together. And so we are longing for that moment of peace when we can finally be reconciled, when we can sit down and have a wonderful meal and no one erupt in anger. We long for that. But for many of us, we know that that longing, that desire for peace is actually oftentimes replaced by chaos. Right? It's replaced by fighting over those toys that were just given and, and breakfast being burned and, and those siblings that have come into your home erupting in anger yet again. Long for peace and yet chaos is often what ensues. And yet, that is exactly what is offered in this passage. Peace. Peace, not of this world. Peace, not that would come on just one day of the year. Not that would just come through the, the hopes of, of family members actually interacting. Peace that would come not from financial security or from gifts that have been given, but peace that would come through a person. That's what the angels sang of, isn't it? We heard it. Look at that verse, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who, with whom he is pleased. Peace. That is what is offered, a peace that is different than the world. What, what's amazing is, is that as Jesus enters in and this peace is offered, is how this contrasts with the peace that was being displayed in Rome at the time. You see, during this time in which Jesus was born, there was the Pax Romana, which was the peace of Rome. You see, uh, Caesar Augustus, the Caesar who was in charge, that is mentioned in verse 1, he brought peace to the empire. 
He brought it with sword and with brutality. He brought it with violence, but he brought it nonetheless. There was no more fear of war, and there was relative tranquility within the empire. People could move along the roads. They weren't afraid of being attacked. There was peace, relative peace. But what Jesus offers is a different kind of peace. What he comes to give is a peace not from Rome and not a peace that comes just from uh, financial security or from relational, uh, relational restoration or from a day of the year. He offers peace in of himself, a better peace, the peace that we are ultimately longing for. That's what he gives to us. This peace that is given is very different than the peace of Rome. And I want us to see how it's different. I want us to see how this peace that Jesus gives is different. And, and the first way that it's different is that this peace is for all people. The peace that Jesus gives is for all people. Look at verse 10. The angels come and they declare to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, all the people, all the people. This peace, it was first proclaimed and, and declared to the Jews. That's what Paul would say. And that language, the people, sometimes, especially in the Gospel of Luke, it becomes code word for the Jewish people. Okay, that, that this peace is offered to them first, but we know from the biblical story that it extends beyond that. It's not just for Jew, it's for Gentile. It's not just for wealthy, it's for the poor. It's not just for the influential, it's for the marginalized. It's for all the people. And we know this because of who... Who did this first come to, this piece? To shepherds. To shepherds. Now, now, when we think about shepherds, we think in biblical imagery, right? The shepherd was strong and courageous. They protected the sheep. They stayed with them at night. They did all that they could. And Jesus even likens himself to a shepherd. So that's where we go in our minds. And, and rightfully so, those, those things are all true. But in this culture, shepherds were riffraff. They were low in the societal order. In fact, Jewish writers at this time said that the only people who were lower than shepherds in this culture were lepers. So lepers were the lowest, and then shepherds were the next highest. This is who the angels come and declare peace to. Shepherds. Now, that's not who I would have chosen, right? I would have went to, right to Rome, we're the, we're the wealthiest, we're the most influential, we're the most powerful, but, but that's not what the angels do. They declare to the marginalized, to the ignored, to the, to the people who have been cast out by society, to the people, shepherds, who were seen as thieves. That's what they were thought of. It's pieces for all the people. And you know the Roman peace? Some, pretty much everybody sort of benefited from it. But ultimately, it was only a peace for Rome, for the Romans. One historian, looking back on it, reflected this. He said that what could be hailed by Romans at home as an empire of strength and peace was characterized otherwise by many of its subjects. They experienced oppression and foreign taxation. Peace was only for a limited few. But the peace of the gospel, it is offered to everyone. It's offered to everyone, to the shepherds, to all people. Look at verse 11. There's something interesting about verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read that passage, 
how many times I've heard it. Even if I don't read it every year, I hear it every year with Charlie Brown, right? <laughs> this is what Linus says, right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But there's something weird and strange about this little statement, this verse, that I'd never noticed until this year. Look at those first five words. For unto you is born. Unto you. That's kind of strange. Because who are babies born to? The whites just had a baby, right? Doug prayed for them. Brandon and, and Julie just had, had little Audrey. Who is Audrey born to? Unto? Well, not to me, <laughs> right? Not to y'all, but to Brandon, to Julie, right? Babies are born unto parents. But what does the angel say? Behold, in the city of David is born unto you shepherds, marginalized, ignored, low in our society, and not just for y'all, not just for the shepherds, not just for Mary and Joseph, not for the magi who would come later, the wise men, but for all who would believe, for you. That Jesus was born unto you. That's what they said. The benefits of his birth is for all people, for the rich and the powerful and the influential, but also for the outcasts and the ignored and the marginalized. All people. Christ is given to you to bring peace. What's amazing is that this peace, it, it is for us, but but it comes in a way that is very different than Rome as well. You see, the Pax Romana came through violence. Caesar brought peace, but he brought it through the sword. He brought it by, by taking over all the other countries and nations and empires around him. In fact, the peace that was experienced wasn't peace out in the, in the outer parts of the empire, Tacitus, who was a Roman writer at the time, said this, that Romans call it empire. It is, in fact, murder and rapine and profit. They make desolation and they call it peace. They brought peace through the sword, through violence. But how does Jesus bring peace? Well, it begins with his birth, but, but you know what? Jesus' peace actually finds its fulfillment in violence, too. But it's not like violence with Rome brought upon the people. It's a violence that he takes upon himself. You see, we can't read the birth story without reading the entirety of the narrative in context. And what we know is that through Jesus' birth would one day come his death. You see, Jesus came not just to be born, but to be born so that he would then die. That he would take violence upon himself, the violence of the cross. So we would not have to took the judgment and punishment that we were deserving. He took our sin and he wiped it away by his blood so that you would have peace. He came with violence, but not violence upon us, but violence upon himself. That's how he brought peace. This peace that is for all people. And it's because he has given this to us, it's because he has shown it to us, that he is the one that we honor that he is the one that we glorify, that, that God the Father, we honor him. That's what the angels do, right? That they honor and they sing glory of God. We read it, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Now, it's not just a single angel who sings this. It's, it's a multitude 
a multitude of the heavenly hosts. I don't know how many a multitude is. In fact, no commentator, no theologian that I looked at knew what a mul- how big a multitude was. One thought that maybe, just maybe, it was the entire heavenly host. So every angel at the disposal of God perhaps filled the Bethlehem sky that night. We don't know for sure, but, but that thought is just amazing to think about. But whether it was thousands or millions of angels, I don't know how many angels there are, you know, but, but no matter how many it was, what we do know is that the sky was filled with the chorus of heaven. and They were singing the glory of God. This is so different than Caesar and Rome. I mean, think about the event that precipitated this, right? What, what was Caesar doing? He was calling the, his entire empire to come and be registered. And why were they being registered? Why were they being counted? So he could tax them. And he could find out how big his empire was. And he could bring glory to himself. And so think about this. Think about this for a second. While the entire known world was coming and fixing their eyes on Caesar and celebrating his glory and his power in the empire of Rome, heaven was turning its back on Caesar and fixing its eyes on a baby. That is amazing. That while the world was exalting and honoring Caesar, heaven was honoring Jesus. Because he's the only one that can bring peace. He is the only one who can give us what we are longing for. Freedom from sin. Savior. Lord. That's what they were, he was called, right? That's what the angel said. Who is the Lord. Christ the Lord. This is in complete contrast to Caesar. Some called Caesar Lord. Some even said he is Savior. But when heaven looked down... They didn't look to Caesar, they looked to Christ. And they sang and they honored him with a heavenly chorus. Jesus is the one who is honored because he is the only one who will bring peace. The peace of God comes only through Christ. That's what Jesus gives us in his birth. So so what do we do about this? How do we respond? We celebrate We respond as the shepherds do. They celebrated. And they celebrated by declaring. Look, they they heard the angels, and the angels go away to heaven. Okay, how how stark would that be, right? Like, I just got to think, maybe they were blinded for a while, right? When you wake up and you turn on the lights, and it's like you can't see. Like, what was that like? They're gone, and now they're in the dark. Well, maybe I'm the only one who thinks that's interesting. But anyway... So they go away, and what do they do? The, the shepherds run with haste. They, they go with haste to find Mary and Joseph and the baby. Now, that word haste, it, it means that they, they, they just moved. Like, they didn't pause. They just went. So here's another thought I had. Um, I don't know if these thoughts are concerning to you all or not that I have these thoughts, but... Um, but this is a thought I had, and, and no commentator, no theologian talks about this, so, so you know, this is musings of penny so do with them what what you will and and this is just sanctified imagination okay so it's not in the text but but i have to wonder like what happened to the sheep right like this is their job it's night there's they're protecting the sheep this is what they're supposed to be doing and who are they protecting the sheep from people who would steal from wolves that would kill and destroy and by the way this is their livelihood If the sheep are scattered and killed and destroyed, they have no money. 
they don't have BB&T down the road to go take out money, right? Like, there's no FDIC on this one. But they went with haste. We don't know what happened. We'll, maybe we'll get to ask the shepherds one day. But I can't, I can't help but imagine that having heard what the angels said, having seen what they saw, that when they ran with haste, they didn't even think about their sheep. That they had heard and seen something so amazing that, that everything else just paled in comparison. That, that they just put it aside. That they didn't think, what's going to happen to my financial future? But they just ran because they had to see the baby. Just sanctified imagination. I don't know for sure. But they ran with haste. And when they get there, what do they do? They declare what they had seen and what they had heard. Verse 17 when they saw it, it's being the baby, the child Jesus, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. That, that they, when they had confirmation of what the angels had said, they, they tell all those who were there. It, it wasn't just Mary and Joseph, but the passage indicates that there were others there. We don't know who they were. Maybe they were family members or friends or just people in Bethlehem. But, but the point is the shepherds couldn't help but tell. They had to declare what they had experienced because what they had experienced was so amazing and so good, they wanted others to experience it as well. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. We experience something good, and we want others to know about it. This past weekend, uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, came out, right? Um, so it's like the, the eighth Star Wars, but it's not number eight. It's like number three or four, or two, I can't remember, it's not in order, and so I agree with Mead, like, wh why can't they just make them in order, right, that's what she said to me, I'm like, that's a good question, we'll ask George Lucas, but, um, but it came out this weekend to much fanfare, people are excited, they can't wait, right, this is going to be an awesome movie, and so I'm looking on Facebook, on social media, my friends are taking selfies at midnight, because they're about to go into the, the premiere, and, and they're taking pictures of Darth Vader sitting in the aisle with them, right, the, the middle-aged guy who's, you know, dressed up, right, because that's normal. So, um, so they're taking pictures and posting it on Facebook, and then they come out, and then they're posting things like, this was the best Star Wars ever, right? My one friend said it was the number two ever. That's what he said, the best, second best Star Wars ever. And so it was so great, so wonderful. They're having to tell everybody about it through Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all these sorts of things. And I'm watching it going, I want to go see it. Right? So I'm like, Kat, let's go see. Uh, it's too, our kids are too young. But so what? Let's go see it. Right? No, we didn't go. But, but we want to. Right? We're, in, we're being brought in. It was so good. It was so great. They're delighting in it so much that we want to experience that. And that's what's happening. The shepherds have experienced something so great, so good. They're delighting in it so much that they can't help but tell people. They can't help declare the greatness of God, the glory of God on display here. They declare it, and they're declaring because they delight. That's the other way that they celebrate. They delight. Look at verse 20. They've declared all that they know, and the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen. I love that. They left, and they didn't just forget about it. They, they didn't just put it aside, but they, they walked home glorifying God. This is like when, um, when a, a kid goes to a baseball game or a football game, and, and the game is won with a ninth inning walk-off home run, 
or, or a last-second touchdown. And after the game, you're walking back to the car, and you walk by the kid, and, and you know who won the game because they're so overzealous with joy and delight. You can just look at him, and you can see it, and he's sitting there going, I can't believe he hit the home run, and, or he made the catch. I thought for sure we were going to lose. How did they do it? It was amazing. Best game ever. That's what I imagine the shepherd's doing. They're walking back going, can you believe how bright the night sky was? The beauty of the, shep- of the angels' songs? They're probably making fun of each other. Man, you were so scared, you know? And they're doing all these things, but they're walking away going, best night ever, right? They can't help but do it. They're delighting in what they've experienced. And so is Mary. That's what we are told about Mary. It's not just the shepherds who delight, but Mary does. In verse 19, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She treasured them. This is actually in contrast to the other people who were there. The other people who were there in verse 18 were told that they heard it and they wondered at what the shepherds had told them. So that word for wonder, um, it has the connotation of of amazed or marveled. It, It can actually mean sort of perplexed, but not necessarily believe. There were some who heard the shepherds, and they're like, I don't get it. I don't know. I'm not sure. But Mary, she heard all the shepherds said, And she took their words, and she treasured them in her heart. Notice that it doesn't say that she understood completely. It actually says that she pondered them in her heart. She pondered. She, She didn't necessarily understand everything. She's still thinking it over, but even as she sought to understand, she embraced the news. She loved it. She delighted in it. It didn't mean she didn't knew how it all worked out and how many angels there were. She delighted nonetheless. Delight. Friends, that's what we do this season. We delight. It's sweet to be with family and friends, and it's great to have gifts and and good food, but but more than delighting in good company and good food and good drink, we, we delight in the Savior who has come. It doesn't mean that we fully grasp. We actually keep pondering. I mean, pondering like, how is it that God could become man? Or how is it that a 12 to 14-year-old girl would give birth to the Son of God? Like, that is something we need to continue to ponder. Continue to ponder. We continue to seek understanding, but even as we do it, we delight. We delight that God has brought peace. He has given birth to peace. But we celebrate and declare and delight that the peace of God has come. So when we left David, he was still wrapped around that tree. And those 200 plus mile an hour winds were swirling around him. He said, he obviously lived through this, he told us. But he said that at one moment, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the the debris flying around him and the treetops shattering, All of a sudden, it became very calm. He opened his eyes, and he looked around. And what he saw was still the funnel cloud swirling around him. 
and debris in the wind. And what he saw was still the chaos outside of him, but, but where he was, it was eerily calm and peaceful. So it was actually very strange because there was so much chaos and danger outside, but, but what he was experiencing was peace. See, what had happened was the front wall of the tornado had actually passed him, and he was standing in the eye of the tornado. He could look around, and he saw the danger and the whirling all around him, but, but he was perfectly peaceful, perfectly calm. Friends, if you are in Christ, it does not mean that, that the chaos is left. And it doesn't mean that the danger is gone. And it doesn't mean that every day will be better than the next. That's not what it means. But it means that as we are in Christ, that even as we watch the chaos ensuing around us, the winds blowing around us, that because we are in Christ, we have peace. Peace not from ourselves and peace not determined by our world, but peace from him. I mean, think about that night. The circumstances of that day, the chaos of Bethlehem, hundreds, maybe thousands of people descending upon this tiny little city to be registered to make glory of Caesar. That night, the, the chaos, the, the screams of birth, and the night sky flashing brightly. The chaos that was all around them, but yet in a lonely, obscure little manger, there was peace. Peace because the Son of God had been born. Peace because the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, was given unto you. Friends, because Christ has come, because he has lived, because he has died, because he has risen again, he has brought peace, not of this world, but peace that transcends this world, the peace that we have been longing for, a peace that is given for you. That's what was given that day. And that is what we celebrate today. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the peace that you have given to us through Jesus. The peace that has come only through him. That you sent your son to take on flesh. To give to those whom he loves, whom he cares for. The peace that comes only from you. And so we ask that you would help us to declare that peace to one another and to our world. Help us to delight in it this season, and not just this season, but every season, every day of our lives. Let us celebrate, declare, and delight that peace has come through you, our God and our King, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said together,